Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Manchester United's season in the Premier League is done and finished third place, sealed with a 2-1 win over Fulham at Old Trafford on Sunday. One game left of the Premier League season. The FA Cup final against Manchester City next Saturday. So all eyes on that. I will be there to watch it up close. How exciting. Should we be... Comp- Rob, should, is this week going to be about trying to... For fans, anyway, trying to build some confidence and trying to convince themselves that United can actually do this? Because I know City are clear favourites. I think we shouldn't be delusional, but I think at the same time, we shouldn't also be negative. You know, like, are Manchester City better than Manchester United? Um, Yes, we all know this. But in football, you know, like, the second best team sometimes wins. It does. It's happened many times. I quite like Manchester United being an underdog in all situations. I've always have since I was a kid. That was my preference when I was younger, that United were the underdog. You went up against the Liverpools of this world, you were definitely the underdog. We are still that today, you know, with Manchester City. The two clubs in Manchester have swapped swapped positions, haven't they, in terms of their dominance. So I don't think anyone should be down on this cup final. I just see it as a little bit of a free hit. We've got the opportunity here to stop history from happening or at least put a, you know, a spoke in the wheel there of stopping Manchester City's charge towards a historic treble. And that could be the storyline of the season, isn't it? You sign off and people are not really talking about you being in the top four as much or you winning a League Cup. They end up talking about you busting Manchester City's dreams. It's a free hit. Go for it. Play your best team. Go go for it. Try and get a victory any way you can. It doesn't need to be pretty. And at the end of the day, if you're holding the cup, we're all going to be joyous. Yes, indeed. We'll talk about that game probably later this week because it is... You know, not till Saturday, we're recording this on Tuesday, so we have plenty to unpack around what is happening more off the pitch, actually, rather than on it, because, you know, United beat Fulham the other day. How much can you read into that, really? Because there's speculation that Fred could be leaving to Fulham. He was seen speaking to Marco Silva after the game. Is that a smart way for United to potentially raise 15 to 20 million quid to reinvest in the squad? We'll see. Uh, plenty, as I say, to talk about off pitch today. We'll talk about what Marcus Rashford managed on Monday night, winning the Player of the Year Award, Players Player and uh, Fans Player of the Year Award, I believe it was. Uh, and congratulations to him. I'll ask Rob who his Player of the Year has been. <laughs> so a couple of minutes to think about that, Rob. Uh, we'll also talk Edwin van der Sar. We'll talk David De Gea and some speculation that United could actually be going for Diogo Costa. Eric Ten Hag has been speaking to the Times and essentially did not guarantee that David De Gea will be the starting goalkeeper next season. So we'll dig into that a little bit more. And we will also talk about Mason Greenwood today. We have not discussed the Mason Greenwood case issue for a number of months in any real depth because obviously it's been a it's been a legal process and now United have essentially put this case back But the time is now coming for United to decide on a process here and a plan here. So uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. We usually record. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe and leave a comment for us as well. 
and get in touch with us on the Twitter as well at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, Rob, anything you want to add to our running order today or should we just kick through it as I've just suggested? No, we'll kick through it. We are at that point of the season now, of course, where the season is pretty much over. So the focus now naturally turns to more off of pitch matters uh, some stuff we have deliberately avoided for for good reason but we're now at that point aren't we where we're going to start crossing some of these bridges where there are there are things to to discuss in terms of players coming incomings with transfers outgoings with transfers and also I think what Ten Hag wants to do now with this squad because they kind of ticked that box of the league and what they want to do in the top four and now it's about the next stage and this summer is going to be an incredibly important summer for Manchester United how busy do you think it'll be do you think this is going to be seven players out, five players in? Do you think this is going to be... Wait, a lot of it depends on the ownership, right? But, you know, yeah. do you think United are going to go big and actually back up the season that they've just had? Because there's been cases in the past that we've seen where United have had a good season and just not really built on it. Mm-hmm. But that was under the context of Ed Woodward and the Glazers. So, I, I still think at the biggest club in the world, trademark, inverted commas and all of this that it's never not busy. It's always busy. It's just what it is. Any Premier League team will be doing their their due diligence on players for a long time and now looking to execute deals. Uh, I think with Man United, you could kind of... It's trying to put like putting a a circle through a square and vice versa, isn't it? It's the sense of what do Man United need? They're going to have to go and do transfers. There are players that are ready to leave just through natural kind of usage that they've come to the end of their life cycle at Manchester United. So Harry Maguire... Going to be talk about him, no doubt, in the next few weeks. You just mentioned Fred there. I think a player that I mooted about leaving a few weeks ago, and people were quite surprised. They were like, well, Fred's quite a good squad player, isn't he? Well, no, if you're looking to raise funds, he might be the guy out the door maybe before Scott McTominay. It's just the way it goes. So, yeah, I think there's going to be plenty to talk about, Scott. Like, we go twice a week, and we we will be as busy as we ever were during the season. It's, we've seen it in the last 10 years now. Of all the, you know, I keep saying it, 25 transfer windows that I've done in my career, that every year it just gets busier and crazier, and there's more to talk about because we just know a little bit more, and that's how the system works, you know, football. So, um, it's going to be busy. I do think the first thing of course is ownership so the Glazers have deliberately waited until the last game of the season of course we've got one more now and they do not want to talk about what they want to do until there are no stadiums with no Manchester United fans in them it's the bottom line they don't want that I was obviously there for Fulham and the stadium Scott for pretty much half the game just sang proper anti-Glazer songs. And I said to my mate who was with me, I said, if this had been the day we knew the Glazers were going, for, let's say that, say we'd found out the day before, this place would have been a complete riot. It would have been a riot. The place would have been going crazy. And it was going pretty crazy anyway. So um, they've waited for that deliberately. They don't want that moment on camera, the Glazers. If they leave or if they change the ownership structure and take a minority share, they don't want fans to be visible. So I think once we know that in the next, say, week or so, two, and I think we'll hear a lot more then. And of course, the, the direction of this ship will be known. Yes, indeed. Plenty to unpack over the coming weeks. The on-pitch action may be ending, but obviously you might have a lot of work to do behind the scenes in order to get this squad up to scratch to challenge. United should be challenging for the league, whether they do it next season is anyone's guess, but they, you know, the expectation should be every year at United that they are challenging or or winning titles. And we have gone far too far away from that. 
even putting our United top four on a trophy this year would have been considered a great season. That is, that's way below standard uh, for what United should be expecting. But that's just a reflection on what the ownership has done to this club over the last few years. So fingers crossed uh, that will change for the better soon enough. And Eric Ten Hag gets exactly what he wants to bring United back to those levels. Anyway, let's uh, talk some positive. Marcus Rashford wins player of the year at the awards. And, uh, you know, big deal for Marcus Rashford. Rob, who would you have picked? Is that the right choice? I would have picked Marcus Rashford. Rashford, I can't even say it. Um, I'd have picked Marcus because I think for the body of work of the 12 months for the season, he's the guy who's been the most consistent. I think had Martinez been in the team all the way through to the end of the campaign, I think United would have qualified for the Champions League earlier, Scott. I think you might have been saying, well, you know, that guy who came into the team who was kind of derided by the press and other people for being five foot nine, he's really kind of achieved this season. So he wasn't very far off. I don't think Casemiro was far off. I think Luke Shaw once again, uh, you know, a once double uh, winner of this award for player of the year at Manchester United wasn't far off. And your favourite, I think David De Gea was somewhere in that conversation as well because he got that little lovely golden glove. Did you see him getting presented to it by uh, by Ten Hag? And that was a really interesting moment because the stadium was really behind that and he got a, an incredible reception at Old Trafford for winning the golden glove. So quite a few players this year, I think in contention, where maybe in years gone past, we might have just said one or two. But I think Rashi deserves it. Incredible season incredible amount of goals and I want to see him carry on on the left and not as a centre forward. He's a better player from the left. He scores goals from there. Yeah. Uh, shout outs for the women's team awards as well. Yeah. Player of the season, Alessia Russo. I think she had goal of the season for the goal at Arsenal as well, which was dramatic. <laughs> that was, Definitely. you know, that, that game was memorable. Uh, absolutely memorable. Uh, player, players player of the season, Hannah Blundell as well. So good stuff. Good night all round. Uh, goal of the season on the men's side, Anthony versus Barcelona. Mm. I was there for that. It was lovely. It was a nice uh, nice night where hope, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of hope in the air. Uh, a big result over Barcelona. The Jimmy Murphy Award, Kobe Manu, uh, plenty of others given out on the night as well. So fantastic to see that. The awards have been given out, but obviously Marcus Rashford, I saw him speaking afterwards. He was he didn't really want to go too committed because he knows that he's still got a job to do at Wembley on Saturday. So uh, congrats to everybody who won an award at the awards night. They will now look ahead to Saturday's game and uh, let us know in the comments who you think should have had the Player of the Year award. I know that Rashford himself, I think, said he voted for Casemiro and... You vote for two players, Casemiro and one other person. I can't remember who it, who it was exactly, but Luke Shaw was in contention, Lisandro Martinez in contention, Casemiro in contention. I know that Bruno Fernandez is uh, was liked by a lot of players as well and a lot of fans. So, yeah, overall, it's a very good thing that a number of players were in the running for that award, <laughs> rather than the goalkeeper wins, which has happened for far too long. <laughs> Uh, with uh, United's on-field on activities. Anyway, let's uh, let's move to off-field stuff because it's transfer season, it's speculation season. We'll start with a quick comment, Rob, on Edwin van der Sar leaving Ajax. Did we have this conversation last year about bringing Edwin van der Sar into the structure somehow, which was never really going to happen? But I know that, you know, he was 
wanted a lot. I think the sentiment remains the same, even though Ajax have not had a very good season since Eric Ten Hag has left. Uh, obviously, lots of uncertainty with who is going to own the club, what the structure is going to be looking like, all this kind of thing. Is this a moving part that you could potentially see fitting into whatever structure is going to be after the ownership is decided? No, not really. So we did talk about it a year ago and we did talk about it recently as well. Um, you know, we've always said this, Edwin Van Sar is not a director of football. Manchester United really need a director of football who's got that acumen, who's built that up. He was a CEO and he was there to work around the financial structure of Ajax and, yes, lead the football club. And he has failed miserably in the last 12 months. So I, I don't see there being a kind of shift towards Manchester United. It might be something that a new owner would potentially look at but again what are you bringing him in for like you want people with expertise and people who have succeeded isn't it like you know Chelsea are going to get Pochettino a guy who just recently in his last job got sacked you know so it's it's kind of one of these things is that it doesn't mean the, the manager is bad or the person is bad I just don't think that Edwin Van Sar just because he once played for Manchester United and is a legend at the club is the right fit. I, I don't think that's the right way of doing it. So, um, unfortunate for Edwin, but, you know, unfortunately, his lasting memory at Ajax will be on the last day of the season, the whole stadium booing him quite loudly. So that's sad because I don't think he deserves that, but I also don't think he's made particularly great decisions in the last 12 months. Difficult for them because basically Man United raided Ajax last year. And they did do well in terms of uh, the money that they took. Got quite a lot of money for it, Scott. Got they quite got a lot of money and, and then they spent quite a lot of money. So, like, you know, this is the thing, isn't it? It's that, you know, it might be boo-hoo, you lost this player. Oh, but we did give you 90 million for him. And he was not worth 90 million. So, uh, I think I acted pretty well out of those transfers. Yeah. More off-field stuff. But this is going to... Let's let's talk David here. We've, we've mentioned him already. Now... Eric Ten Hag has done an interview with Henry Winter from the Times. Uh, it's pretty much gone round all social media circles. I'm sure that it was quite frustrating, actually, because I obviously I read the interview on the Times. And then, you know, it's good to spread news and like spread information, this kind of thing. But, you know, it's behind a paywall, all this kind of thing. And it's, oh, let's grab this little quote and tweet it. And then it gets thousands and thousands of retweets. And it's like, let's go read the bloody article. You know, um, anyway, Henry Winter asked Eric Ten Hag about David De Gea. And I'm trying to dig up the actual quote here, but he essentially said that. Well, I've got the quote here. You observe the biggest teams. You have to be capable of playing from the back and use your keeper as a plus one in your back line. Otherwise, it's very simple for opponents to put you under pressure. Mm -hmm. And he essentially also said that even though David De Gea might be signing a new contract, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be guaranteed the number one spot next season, which suggests that United might actually go into the market for a goalkeeper. Now, can that work, that dynamic? Can that work if David De Gea is going to whether he expects to be named number one the entire time. Didn't work out when they tried it with Dean Henderson, did it? So do you, do you, are you completely, absolutely certain, Rob, that this deal will get ratified and signed and confirmed? The, because, the yeah, sorry, go on. Because more I, the, the longer it's being dragged out, the more I kind of think it might be ownership dependent and mm. depends on which side it goes does whichever owner come in, whichever owner comes in, does that mean a difference to the budget? Does that mean then that there's more scope to go and buy a player that we'll talk about in a second? Or is it, are we just waiting? 
do you think? Because it's not been announced yet. It's, I don't think it's been signed off by the club yet, even though everything is essentially agreed with David De Gea. What do you think? Well, we say everything is agreed. Um, if the manager is sat there and saying to David De Gea, well, you know, you stay here. You're not my specific specific number one going forward next year and the year beyond that. David De Gea might be going, well, I'm not signing then. So that's a little bit of a standoff, isn't it? There's kind of like you're trying to predict stuff, aren't you? Like, you know, if there is no new goalkeeper incoming to the football club, then yeah, David Hay is number one, isn't he? It's just what it is. So I think that that's been the, a big part of the conversation for a while. I also do think that Manchester United just wanted to see where the cards fell in terms of their seasons. They're in the Champions League next year. And we watch United every week. We talk tactically about it. And, and Ten Hag just mentioned it there about the goalkeeper and what you need from a goalkeeper. Finally, he's talking laterally as opposed to maybe just what's happening in football matches. He's saying, yeah, you need a goalkeeper that can be an extra man at the back playing out from there. We all know David's not good at that. Every one of us, whether you love him or hate him. So that suggests that if Manchester United do go knocking on the door of a certain goalkeeper from Portugal, who is said to, by the local press there and everyone around the football club, saying that he's said, I've played my last game, I'm on my way to the Premier League. He said that. It, it sets it all up nicely, doesn't it? But it does depend, Scott, on what the budget is in terms of financial fair play for Manchester United and who the new owners are. So those things are not confirmed yet. And those things are really important. So, yeah, if I'm if I'm Eric Ten Hag, I might even be saying, mm, let's not sanction this just yet, because we might find in two, three, four, five weeks time that there's a goalkeeper out there who fits what we want to do. And David, big hug, no kind of uh, stress. You did great for us. You got your golden glove. We'll let you go on a free. You know, it's time to move on. Uh, we know that De Gea wants to stay. There's no doubt about that. De Gea wants to stay at the football club. I don't think he wants to stay to sit on the bench. So that guarantee shouldn't be given to De Gea. He should never be told he's an automatic number one. You shouldn't tell that to anyone. When Henderson was at the club and playing, both of them were told that. They were like, you're going to have to fight this out. And De Gea won. There you go. So I don't think De Gea thinks it's a fair fight with this potential new goalkeeper from Portugal. You know, Diogo Costa is coming to the Premier League, one of the best ball-playing goalkeepers that you can get. Shot stopper, 23 years old, 10 years in the making here for a new goalkeeper who could could be amazing for you. I don't think De Gea is sticking around to see that. He knows he's going to be number two. So I think that's maybe where you are. And that's probably why this contract has not been announced yet. I said it would probably be announced after whatever the final game is. So we've got a cup final to come. I think you might find a little bit more out after that. Because if you found out before and De Gea is in goal for you at the cup final, people are going to be questioning stuff, aren't they? And saying, you know, are you committed? Is he ready? Should he be this? Is, he, is his head elsewhere? Is he looking for a new deal? Yeah, I think they're all just keeping it dampened, the flames down just for the time being. Uh, we at Night Min, I wrote an article in March, 22nd of March. I'm just looking at it now, which went around the Diogo Costa situation. Basically, the, the, the situation is that Porto are in some financial difficulty. And this is essentially what this Ebola piece is saying that uh, he's played his last game for Porto. They're ready to sell him. There's lots of interest in the in, from Premier League clubs. Manchester United are named in that. And they're willing to pay his release clause is what I think what the article says. From what we understand, that might be a little bit of bargaining. I mean, I think they need to raise 50 million in 50 million now. And the quickest way to do that is player sales is what we wrote in March, obviously. Uh, so 
75 million or 75 million euros or 65 million pounds for a player like this when the team is mm. in financial difficulty. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. United's, look, United's yeah. position here is actually quite strong if they wanted to make this happen. But there's a lot of teams like Chelsea, like Tottenham, like can't think of any more, but there's, there's obviously going to be teams, big teams who are going to want a goalkeeper. And there's two of them there. Now, United will have a chance because they're the only one of those three teams that can offer Champions League football. Uh, but if United are prepared to go in with a bid, it doesn't have to be the release course. I'm sure if uh, they play a little game with Porto mm. and say, this is how we'll do it, you know, maybe we could see him come in cheaper. And United also have the Dean Henderson card to play to replenish some cash back. Of course. And look, but I'm going to take it this other way, Scott. And the thing is, Man United spent 10 years playing games in the transfer market and lost every single year, pretty much. So look, you got some good players last year for Ten Hag's first season, but you really paid through the tooth. Do you know why, Scott? Because you played games. So you either agree deals and or, or move on. Manchester City do that quite often. It's like, here's the money. If you don't want the money, let's move on. I don't want to be talking about Joga Costa one week before the end of the transfer window that if Man United are going to shave five million off here or five million off there. He's got a release clause, as you said there, of sixty-five million pound, which is seventy-five million. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Euros. If Manchester United want a brand new goalkeeper, Scott, go and pay the release clause and get him. Go and get him. Don't play games. Bring players to the club that are ready. Now, the thing is with Costa is that we know what he is. You know that Man City don't want a new goalkeeper. You know Liverpool don't want a new goalkeeper. You know Newcastle do not want a new goalkeeper. So that leaves you on an island in the top four of what you need. You need a new goalkeeper if you move away from De Gea. But do not spend three months trying to find out about it. Decide if you want him and you're going to take that out of your transfer kitty. That might mean, Scott, that you retain a Harry Maguire because you can't suddenly afford a Kim. That's the way it goes. You have to make these big, hard choices. But Ten Hag has to make the choice. He has to say, like he said the other day now, oh, this is what I want from a goalkeeper. I need someone that can play out from the back. It's, it's essential in the modern game. Then go and do it. Execute it. Let's not talk about it anymore. I don't think you can play any more games in a transfer window. Man United have done it too long, Scott. They, they think that they're like Dell boys and only fools and horses. Let's haggle a little bit. I'll give you... T- we want five million off there. So are you saying then, because you're taking it a bit too literally, are go you on. saying that United should pay 75 million for Mason Mount then? <laughs> um, 
different, different, totally different, different position, really. different needs. No, different needs. So like that's different. I I, I look at it this way because I think Mason Mount is an opportunity. Uh, your goalkeeper is pretty essential, isn't it? So if you, if you if you've got to the point where De Gea hasn't signed a new deal and you haven't got a, a stone cold hard number one at the moment, and there's one out there who's supposed to be generational and going to be amazing, and he wants to come to the Premier League, and there's a fee paid a fee. Clubs hate it when there's a release clause in a player's contract that they would rather keep, but they want to move on, and then they have to bargain down. They don't like doing that because they don't have to do that. And someone, even in the Premier League, Scott, who's not Man United, will put up that money for him. Yeah, I'm telling you, even like even one of these teams, even someone like Spurs that need a new goalkeeper might look at him and go, we need someone like this to reboost us at the back for 10 years. This is what we're going to put our money in. So we have to be careful of that because we always think that Man United win these think these battles and Man United quite often lose them, Scott. That's the way I look at it is that you always end up paying through the tooth because you waited too long and you negotiated and you bargained and you went, we're Man United flexing our muscle. That's what I'm saying. I'm not taking it too literally. I'm just saying that that's the way they do it, unfortunately. I still have nightmares, Scott, from 25 years ago when Ronaldinho agreed to come to Manchester United mm -hmm. and they said, how much is it going to cost? And they said, 19 million. And Man United went, okay, we'll give you 18. And that went on and on and on. He didn't come. That was the end of that. So that's how the club is. The club is stupid like that. It really is kind of got a crazy club. But Man United, I know, get fleeced in the market. I know people was looking to get the maximum out there. But if you really want a number one, and that is going to be a, a big part of your rebuild for next season or maybe the progression of your squad, pay the money. It doesn't matter if, you, if he comes in five, ten million more than you want him to come into. Just then have to balance the books elsewhere. Dean Henderson will probably get you 20 to 30 from Nottingham Forest or maybe even the Spurs, you know. Use that as part of the cashing. You might even be able to send him to Portugal. That might be a good deal, wouldn't it? If he's part of that, you might be able to say, go and play European football out there and go and have a nice lifestyle out in Portugal. Might appeal to him. So there are things there that Man United could do that are better than, oh, let's just bargain. Because they bargain all the time. And a couple of Man United shouldn't bargain. That's the way I look at it. If you want someone, go get them. If you don't want them, you don't think they're worth it, then don't play the game. Don't do another Frankie de Jong across the whole market because you tend to lose those deals. Other players like David Raya, who yep. is obviously still on the agenda. Brentford are actually signing his replacement or a My choice. at least a competitor. Uh, he is obviously Premier League proven. He's been good for a mm. couple of years in the Premier League. Brentford captain the other day as well. So, you know, he's been brilliant this year. Like you look at his numbers, he's been brilliant. And you could get him 30 million, Scott. And you don't have to pay the 60 for someone who is supposedly better. When you look at their metrics, they're pretty much identical. So I think Ray is an, an incredible shout. And we, we've talked about him before. And if United went for him, I would be delighted because I think he is the kind of player that you can build that defence around. And he's completely opposite to David. You know, like he's, he's totally got all the things that we moan about David De Gea every week about. And yet you're only playing 30 for that privilege and not 60. Yeah, let us know what you would like United to do in goal. Obviously, the De Gea deal is not yet announced and confirmed. It has been, as far as I know, that the deal is essentially done and we're just waiting. But is there something maybe behind the scenes that is holding the deal up? And obviously, with uh, speculation that somebody like Diego Costa will be on the market, then... If United have the money, like Rob and I both did this show the other week, and we, I, I mean, I put the goalkeeper as a priority. I don't think you mm. did so much, Rob. 
Uh, it would be I so, do. You'd be surprised to, to see them do it early, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, look, I do. I think the goalkeeper's a priority. What I've said continually is that I don't think Ten Hag has said it because Ten Hag's come out and backed out here at every step and gone into this negotiation with him. Because if you don't want him, you don't negotiate. You just go cheers, off you go. And 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 Ten Hag hasn't done that. So I think this is the first time we're hearing from Ten Hag that he is now thinking a goalkeeper. So that changes the game. For me, if it's priority number five, six weeks ago, but now it's priority number three, I'm all for that. Go get Raya. Go get Costa. They're great players. They will really help you become a better football team. And they are better than David De Gea. I've got no doubt about that. But... That's all I'm looking from. I know for you it's been a priority, and you've talked about that a lot. Uh, for me, it's not that it's a non-priority. It's just I think there are other positions still that are that are big priorities that you might have to give up if you're definitely going to go for a goalkeeper. Obviously, striker has been that. Harry Kane has been that. Uh, talk of over the last few days of uh, Karim Benzema potentially leaving Real Madrid, and mm. you know some interest from Madrid, even though that we. We have heard that Harry Kane would prefer to stay in the Premier League, but when Real, if Real Madrid do come knocking, you know where Daniel Levy's going to prefer to sell to, and it's going to be really bloody hard to turn down a move to Real Madrid. But we'll see what happens there. But obviously, I've, met, I've mentioned striker there. Rob and I have both discussed how many strikers United need. I think we both said that you need one who's proven, but it'd also be nice to have an understudy, whether that's Anthony Martial or somebody else. Uh, Martial historically doesn't do well when there's a first try striker that he's working underneath, but he's had enough chances now. But that leads us on to uh, Mason Greenwood because there is, I think Eric Ten Hag in that same interview, that, that Times interview, he said, the decision is not up to me over whether he comes back. Obviously, everyone who is listening or watching should know the background around what, what's happened with Mason Greenwood and why he has not been playing for Manchester United over the past... 18 months, is it? Has it been that long? Mm. I think it's, it's been a long it time. You and I. But now United have, you know, I think the charges have been dropped essentially. And there is now a decision for the club to make over whether he is brought back. Now, Rob, how do you want to uh, deal with this one? I think we'll try and look at it as broad as palette as possible and, and try and take it from the business side and the football side and then kind of look at some of the moralistic side of it as well. So there's no doubt that with Mason Greenwood, we didn't want to talk about a lot of it while it was an active case. We didn't think that was wise. It was evidence coming and going and one thing or another. And we do know that the Manchester United fan base, that there is very pronounced sections that want him back and very pronounced sections that want nothing to do with him. And they both have their cases against each other. Do you know what I mean? So that that's where it kind of gets a little bit dirty. You know, just, this is, becomes a difficult situation in, in those terms. But Manchester United need to look at this now as an employment case because that's what it really is, is that the, 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 the kind of criminal definition of doubt is not the same as employment law. You can sack someone from their job for something a lot less than something that's prose- been prosecuted in a court of law. Completely different. Man United need to make that choice because Mason Greenwood, pre obviously this, you know, the, the horrible set of circumstances from 18 months ago, you know, was going to be your guy. He was going to be your striker. He was the future of the football club. 
And Manchester United need to decide whether they want to align, them, align themselves with this guy who's not kicked a ball for 18 months. And might, his whole career might be shot to pieces, Scott, like in terms of either mental health or physically. We just don't know. We just don't know a lot about Mason Greenwood as it stands. But it's up to the manager now. Like he says, I've, I don't have to, you know, it's not my choice. That's technically correct. But he will be the guiding light on this for Manchester United. I do believe that. And I think if the manager says, I want to give Mason Greenwood a second chance at life and a second chance at playing football, I think Manchester United might go with it. I do think that Manchester United also will look at it from the employment stand, stand case of, of, of the moralistic side of this. And Manchester United might just go, let's wash our hands of this because this is not something we want to do. We don't want to go down this route. It's not good for our brand. And unfortunately, Scott, that's what clubs look at. It's about brand values. And they might look at Mason Greenwood as a risk. So they might go, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to find a buyer for him and sell him. So I think it's interesting now that the manager's, you know, he's asked a question, he's brought it up, and he kind of worded it in a way of, you know, Mason Greenwood scores goals, but it's not up to me. But if he didn't want him, he wouldn't be saying that first bit. That's the way I look at it. He's not going to be talking about his goal record and know exactly his pronounced goal record. We do also know that the manager has spoken to Greenwood. So uh, this is, again, not a situation where where the manager is on the complete outside here. I'm sure he'll claim that. But he's on the inside and Greenwood has been part of conversations for a while. We believe Mason Greenwood wants to stay at Manchester United. That would be his preference. But he's also waiting to hear what Manchester United want to do with him. So would we see him on the preseason tour? Potentially. But this, this really comes down to United now maybe having a gauge of the fan base and deciding which half of those two bits, the ones that want Greenwood back and the ones that don't, which half they really go with, which which half means more to them. It's kind of a little Brexit thing, isn't it? It's difficult. So I, I don't know yet, Scott. I don't know how United will, will do that. I do know that Ten Hag wants a forward and a striker. That's what he is. So... You know, if, if, would it be a more difficult decision if he was a central midfielder or someone from the fringe of the squad? I don't know. It shouldn't be, should it? It should be more about what you feel about the boy. I get the feeling he's coming back. That's the way I look at it at the moment. Man United, I think their quiet, quietness about it and the hush-hush will mean that as soon as you get closer to pre-season, they can then execute whatever their strategy is to reintegrate. Because otherwise, there'd be a lot more at the moment about selling. They would be they would be they would be around Europe knocking on doors about where can where can he go next. Um but there's a lot of hard opinion out there on this, Scott. There's a lot of people, a lot of United fans that have said if he's in a red shirt come the new season, there will be protests. So Manchester United will will have to look at that. And a new owner, it's a big first decision, isn't it? Like if you're the brand new owner of the football club, this is a big, big call because if you go with it, the, the fan base don't like it, you're immediately on the wrong side of them. So there is pol there's politics at play here. Um, and of course, you, you narrow it down to people's lives as well. His life, his girlfriend's life. We know what they're doing away from the, the football pitch now and what they've decided to do. And I think some of that will come into play as well when it comes down to this employment case. Do, do you think that it is a decision that's going to be in the hands of the new owners, whoever this may be? Uh, because obviously it all seems to be aligning to the same point with the season finishes and there's mm -hmm. a lot of decisions which do need to be made around everything that we've discussed today. Even, you know, that there, there are things happening. United might know that they want to sign certain players, but nothing's mm -hmm. really going to get signed off, to be honest, until we know what's happening from the very top. So it may be a case of wait for the ownership to change and then that's the decision they have to make. 
completely. And 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 I think the thing is, is that you know you could look at Mason Greenwood as a very very useful make weight. So if you did want a Harry Kane or even say Victor Rossman, uh, someone like might want greenwood in italy like it might be they might look at him and go yeah we'll give him a shot do you know what i mean or tottenham might look at him and go well you know he's had all these problems maybe we can you know resurrect part of his career and get goals out of him ultimately football clubs look at stats and what a player can do for them and it's football is littered with similar cases where players have had off the pitch issues but the clubs keep them as long as they're useful and that's what this is going to come down to. Man United, I think what you're just saying there, the Glazers would love it, wouldn't they? That if they were going to take a minority stake at Manchester United and, and defer power away to a Ratcliffe or sell to the Qataris and all of these things, they would love it to keep their mouth shut until that all happens and let them deal with it. It's just easy, isn't it? Because if he bring, if say they brought him back, say two or three, four, five weeks ago in the running or something like that, there'd be incredible protests against the Glazers using that as part of it. It would be. They would say, you know, you're morally corrupt. So, it's again, it's a little bit of a wait and see. I'm not quite sure he's going to come back and be the same player. I really don't. I think, you know, he's been... I agree know, with that, absolutely. You, you, you know, whether you uh, think he's guilty or not, or you heard what you heard, or you saw what you saw, it doesn't matter what, what you think. He could have his mental health completely corrupted by this. He could be not fit to wear a football shirt again. Can you imagine that? Every ground he goes to, Scott, every ground he goes to, he's going to have thousands of people on his back attacking him i don't know if he's got that in him i really don't he was never that kind of lad before the incident and what's happened he was always a bit demure you know he struggled with that might mean that man united do look at using him as a mate weight and sending him abroad and letting him reboot his career there i don't think he'll ever play for england again you know i think i think the fa have kind of without saying it out loud they've kind of said no we're not doing this this is it now it's the end of his career that's a big thing for a 23 year old as he is isn't he? i think he's 23 24 but he's still under contract. He's not that old even, is he? He's 22, still? 23. Well, it's been a year and a half. So he's, I think he was 21 when it all went down. So 21 still. He's 21 now. He's 21 still. So he's still young, you see. So this is the thing. So that, that just his age means that he has value in that context. But I'm not convinced that you know, a lot of these people that are calling for him to come back and that he's the savior of the football club up top. You know, he was the guy that was supposed to replace Ronaldo. He was the next phase of, of the build for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Do you remember, Scott? This was the whole point about Sancho. Rashford left, Greenwood middle, Sancho right. That was the whole plan, the 4-3-3 Solskjaer future plan. And, of course, it all fell apart for multiple reasons. The only person who's benefited out there, is, of course, is, 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 um, is Marcus. So... Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but the fact that the manager is bringing it up means it's coming, you know, and, and pre-season's not far away and Man United are talking strikers. So we're going to find out one way or the other if they go for a big striker. It could be that you go for your big striker, Scott, and that Mason is the deputy and you you integrate very slowly and you just let people get used to his face again and being at match days and you calm it down because he will get attacked. I think by United fans as well, there might well be some of that. But I think as it goes on, he scores a few goals, fans will start to go, all right, then we'll, we'll use him again, won't we? That's just, it's happened in so many cases, unfortunately. It's kind of sad. <laughs> it is sad. It's sad that that's the way it's going. But, but it's not just football. Like, this is a thing in sport. Like, we, we see this mm-hmm. in sport a lot. And we see guys with in, in questionable uh, records, people who have broken the law, people who have got incredibly dirty reputations 
and they carry on playing because they have value to a sports organisation. Man United are no different at the end of the day. Man United fans are no different to fans of other football clubs. It's, it, it runs through the game. And ultimately, goal scorers are there to score goals. And that, if he does that next year for Man United, I don't know if Ten Hag will be too upset about it. I think he'll be like, oh, we've scored 20 more goals this season. Oh, we won the title. Oh, it worked. It, this is how it goes. It is sad, but unfortunately, it's also the damn truth. We await. I don't anticipate that we'll get any decision on Not what true. is going to happen there for a few weeks yet, but obviously it is coming back on the agenda. A decision does have to be made because obviously we know that United have uh, squad building ideas that they have to do. And like, regardless of what has happened, uh, that is... An, to put it in the in the most hollow terms possible, that is an asset that they have, you know, and that is uh, how businesses are going to look at this. Uh, unfortunately, that's exactly how it is. That, and the thing is, I th- I predict it will be two or three weeks before preseason kicks off because that gives Man United time to look at the market, assess the market, talk to potential buyers for him, and decide where his best usage. And do you know what, Scott? If you can get Anthony Martial's wage off the bill, because it's a big wage, isn't it? And he's injured all the time. And as you just highlighted, and you're totally correct, he's not great as a number two off the bench. He doesn't like the fact that he's not the starter or the preferred option. I think Greenwood would be all right with it young enough, and he knows it. he's just got to be something completely different now. He's got to get back to his football if he's allowed to do that. A lot of United fans have said he should not be allowed to kick a ball ever again anywhere on the planet. Unfortunately, that's not real. He wasn't convicted. So that he is going to play football somewhere. Absolutely. Next year, Mason Greenwood is going to be kicking a football in a major league. I guarantee you that 100%. You're just deciding whether it's at Manchester United or not. There's been interest from the likes of uh, Serie A. There's a lot of clubs in Serie A. I believe some Turkish clubs have inquired about taking him potentially on loan as well. Yeah. So, yeah, there's uh, decisions to be made there. Uh, a difficult one, difficult situation for Manchester United too. Very. Uh, and it's going to be one of, you know, several decisions they have to make over the course of the summer. They have one game left to go. FA Cup final this weekend. We'll be back later this week to look ahead to the game in a little bit more depth to see if there's any encouragement from Manchester City's recent form that United might be able to get one over on them and stop them winning a domestic double slash treble as well. Uh, Rob, any final thoughts for today's show before we sign off? No, it's quite a nice week, I was about to say, in terms of the run into the cup final. um, That... I feel like pressure. I do feel like the pressure's off. Like this is a quite nice game to come up because you just everyone thinks you're going to lose, and that's all right. Think we're going to lose, and uh, fingers crossed. I hope the boys turn up at Wembley Stadium and put in their greatest performance of the season, maybe the greatest performance ever under Eric Ten Hag, and that you see that the the pupil and the master go off against one another from Bayern Munich, and that uh, and that he shows that he's every bit as good as Pep Guardiola. And I do think that there is an opportunity there because. City are under a lot of pressure. You know, they've done well up to now, but these one-off cup finals can get you. And City have been rotating. And of course, that makes sense. Doesn't always help. Sometimes taking someone out of the team for two or three weeks, a la a Grealish or someone like that, can actually impact their form massively for these one-off, one-off games. So fingers crossed. Looking forward to the cup final. And let's hope we, we really, really are celebrating something very unique at the end of that football match. Yes, that's it from us today. We'll be back later this week. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube too. 
Tuesdays and Fridays we run. Usually head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us, leave a five-star review on any of those audio platforms, leave a comment for us about anything we've discussed on today's show as well, and get us on the Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. That is it from us. This has been the Promised Land and Manchester United podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.